of Hebrews uh, chapter 11, and today we're going to stop at verse 7, Hebrews 11, 7. And um, if you uh, don't have your notes, you can read it in the Bible, but if you have your notes, uh, let's actually read it together. Um, Here is what the scripture says. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to the faith. Let's read it one more time. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Amen. So, um, yeah, I was like, what is missing here? We're missing the outlines. All right, so we've been talking about the book of Hebrews now for uh, 51 weeks. Can anybody help, uh, help me here try to remember what we're doing? We said that the book of Hebrews is written to... Jews. Who became... Christians. Right, okay, good. It was written to Jewish people who became Christian, and because of persecution, they wanted to go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews wrote that letter to them to encourage them never to go back We said before that the first 10 chapters is pure theology. He's just uh, presenting to them that Jesus is superior um, than the Old Testament elements, the the prophets, the angels, Moses and Aaron. And now, uh, starting at the very end of chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 19, all the way to pretty much the end of the book, uh, we see that the author of Hebrews is giving his reader practical tips. How can you live your life in the face of persecution as a Christian. And in chapter 11, the main point of the chapter is that they need to live their lives by faith. Faith, God. All right, this is week number five. We know that Hebrews 11 is about faith. And what is faith? We talked about this. Our definition, the way we like try to uh, understand it is faith is action based on trust in the actual promises of God. In the context of Hebrews 11, what is the action that the, 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 the Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is expecting them to do? Endure persecution, right? To be remaining faithful in spite of the fact that everything around them kind of makes them question the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Yet he's encouraging them to continue on persevering, continue on enduring. That's the action. And why? Because they trust the word, the promise that God has already given them. Amen? And throughout chapter 11, the author of Hebrews is giving them one example after the other that living by faith is how the Old Testament saints, every single one of them, lived his life with God. As a matter of fact, we we talked last time, last week, that without faith it is impossible to please God. It is faith that... One, one, uh, Renhard Bonke, one evangelist, said this, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. It is so true. This is the only way God deals with men, through faith. Now, we have arrived to uh, verse 7, and now we're going to talk about the faith of Noah. You guys know the story of Noah, I assume, right? Yeah, I know it. That's good. One person knows it. 
So Noah was a man who was righteous before God in a time where evil was so spreading around him and God found him righteous. So God came to him and here it says he was divinely warned. The scripture says that God commanded Noah in the book of Genesis to build an ark because God is about to flood the whole world with water. Noah obeyed God. He built the ark and in that ark he got in with his three children, three boys and their wives and his own wife, eight people all in all. And God brought in the flood, everybody perished except Noah. Here it says the saving of his household. His family got saved because of that ark and a pair of every animal, male and female, was in the ark as well. That's how life was persevered. Now, the author of Hebrews here is telling us about the faith of Noah. And he's highlighting three-fold aspect of the faith of Noah. That faith that Noah had manifested itself in three ways. Let's look into that verse and try to see it. By faith Noah, let's try to figure it out, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. He did what? He prepared the ark. So that's the first fold of the faith of Noah. By faith, Noah prepared the ark for the saving of his household. By which, the faith, not, not the ark, the faith, by which he did what? condemned the world. Noah, by his faith, condemned the world and became, by faith, heir of righteousness, which is according to the faith. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. So the author of Hebrews is highlighting three aspects of the faith of Noah. By faith, Noah prepared the ark. <clears throat> by faith, Noah condemned the world. And by faith, Noah became the heir of righteousness. Let's talk about these three uh, things real quick. By faith, he prepared the ark. In the beginning, it says this, by faith, Noah being divinely warned, that's when God came to Noah and told him to, to build the ark, of things not yet seen. Does that ring a bell, that phrase, not yet seen? That takes us back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is evidence of things hoped for and substance of things not yet seen. And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us here, that when God came to Noah, told him, I'm going to bring the flood way down the road, Noah started building that ark, and it took him years, decades, to build that ark, but through it all, even though with his physical eyes he could not see flood coming, people were mocking him for what he's doing, but by his spiritual eyes he saw that the word of God is true, and what God has promised will surely come to pass. Amen? And we talked about this, we spent the whole week talking about this, that faith enables us to see the unseen. Circumstances can see one thing, but faith make you see a different thing. You guys are with me? Amen? So by faith, Noah was divined of things that are not yet seen. And then in response to the warning of God, he prepared the ark for the saving of his household. And in that, I want to highlight two main important points of the aspect of faith of Noah. I want to show you the perseverance of faith of Noah and the reason of faith in Noah. The perseverance of faith and the reason of faith. The perseverance of faith. The scripture says that simple phrase, prepared the ark, right? But in reality, in practicality, we talked about this before. If you go back to the book of Genesis and read, try to put the time frames of how long it took him to build the ark, 
And just logically, it's, it's four guys, Noah and his three kids, and he has to build that massive, gigantic uh, piece of, of, of wood, the ark, conservatively. It took Noah about 50 years to build that ark. 50 years. You guys are with me? That's probably like, like almost our age, right? That's like all your life for the most part. Noah spent that time just building the ark. And we talked about this before. God did not come to Noah every couple of years in a vision or a dream and tell him, Hey, Noah, keep it up, man. It's coming. I told you that it's going to happen. You're doing a good job. Keep up the good work, right? God didn't do that to Noah. What did God do? He came to him one time and said, Build the ark and then silence. Silence. For almost a week before the flood, when God came back to Noah and he started seeing the animal go inside the ark two by two. You guys are with me. So for 50 years, Noah persevered. He labored day and night with his children. This is hard labor. This is not like an easy thing to do. This is hardcore physical labor that he did every day for 50 years because God has given him a command. You guys are with me? Every single day, Noah would wake up in the morning and he'd choose to trust the word of God. The promise of God. I just wonder how many times he doubted himself throughout this time. How many times the mocking of people got into him. And he's like, maybe it's not real. Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it wasn't God who spoke to me this way. Maybe I'm wrong. Yet, day after day after day, his faith persevered. Amen? Amen. I tell you, yesterday I was going door to door around our neighbors here. And I knocked on a lot of doors nobody most of them didn't even answer nobody answered and the few who answered you can tell they're not even interested in talking they're just trying to be kind but they really want to get me out just get out of here kind of <laughs> attitude and like i was just like it was discouraging to me just because it's getting old like you're trying over and over and over again and nothing is happening nevertheless the only reason i'm did it and going to keep doing it by God's grace is because God has commanded us that we have to preach the gospel. If I don't go to our neighbors, I don't know who will tell them, right? We have to do it. If it's not me, I don't know who, right? And we have to persevere. And, and just thinking about Noah and how he persevered based on the promise and the word of God, he endured. It wasn't easy for him, but he knew that God is faithful and he will bring his word to pass. Amen? Amen. And the same thing is true for me yesterday, for you and whatever you're going through, that we need to persevere. If God has promised it, then we need to act on it in spite of the fact that we might not see any immediate result, in spite of the fact that people can mock us, in spite of the fact that it's going to be difficult and hard the word of God remains true and what God has promised will surely come to pass. Amen? Amen. If it's no perseverance, it's no faith. If, you, if God says something in 24 hours, the promise is fulfilled, then where, where is the trust, right? It's immediate, right? But trust show up when, when you don't see the promise of God is being fulfilled and you choose to obey his promise, not what you see with your own physical eyes. You guys are with me. The perseverance of faith. But number two, we also see the reason of faith. What is faith? We define that. I want to make sure. Faith is an action based on trust in the actual promises of God. So the reason why Noah acted throughout these 50 years building the ark 
We see it here in, in, in chapter 11, in Hebrews eleven seven. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with that godly fear. That's the reason why Noah did it for 50 years, because he was moved by or with godly fear. The word, the Greek word for godly fear here was mentioned, not the exact word, but derivatives, similars uh, of that word, was mentioned two other times in the book of Hebrews. We see it in Hebrews 5, 7, when it talks about Jesus, and it says this, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his what? Godly fear. That's the exact same root word. Not, it's different derivative of the word, but the exact same root of, the, of, of Hebrews 11.7 here, that Noah moved with godly fear. We see the exact same word one more time in Hebrews 12.28. Now the author of Hebrews is encouraging his reader, and he's saying, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and uh, Godly fear is the exact same word that was mentioned here, the same, again, root, just different derivatives, in Hebrews 11.7. So the idea here is this. When God spoke to Noah, Noah revered God and his word, so much so that he acted on it for 50 years nonstop and never give up on it. You guys are with me? People can mock him, but he still, because he revered the word of God and God himself so much, he did not care. He kept on trusting God and kept on acting on his word. Amen? Amen. And I tell you something. Sadly, I think most of our actions are motivated by fear. You might not know it. You might not admit it. You might not see it. But really, all that we do for the most part is motivated by fear. Why do you go to work? Because you're afraid that if you don't have money, what's going to happen to you? You're going to be kicked out of your house. You're going to become homeless, right? So you go to your job, put up with your boss, technically, because you're afraid of the flip side of, what you, of what's going to happen to you if you don't work. And pretty much most of our action, the, the very core motivator that we have as humans is fear, right? Now, Noah, every single day, was mocked by people. And Noah could have feared that people's opinion and what they're going to think about him and what they're gonna, how they're going to mock him and his kids and his wife and his family, right? He could have been fearing for the safety of his wife and kids and, and his daughters-in-law. And he could have justified so many ways and so many reasons why he should not continue building that ark. He's just caring for his household. You guys are with me? But the fact of the matter is this. Noah feared God, revered God far more than men. That's why he endured the mocking of people. He endured their evil action. He endured their persecution because he feared God more than what he feared man. You guys are with me. And I, I feel like it. That's the reason why sometimes we don't act according to the word of God because we don't fear God as we should. You guys are with me. When Jesus said, or when the scripture says, go and preach the gospel. This is a clear command from God that you have to tell people about Jesus. You guys are with me. 
If I ask here, if we go around and ask you, when was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? And I'm not saying living a godly life. I'm talking about sitting down, communicating with them the truth of the gospel that Jesus died for their salvation so they didn't have to. Probably going to be a long time, right? And that's because if you don't do that commandment, if you're not actively sharing the message with people, you are disobedient to the word of God. You guys are with me. But the reason why, the D end up, the very bottom line, the very core reasons why we're not doing it, because we're afraid of what man going to think about us. Oh, they're going to think about me that I'm this Jesus freak. They're going to think that I'm just intrusive. They're going to think that I'm this or that. They might mock me. They might reject me. All this. And because of all that fear, this is just my take on it. I'm not saying it's Bible. This is my take on it. Because of all these concerns and fear that we have, we don't want to sit down with a friend or a co-worker or a stranger and just tell them about Jesus. You guys are with me. Because the deep down reason is we fear man more than we fear God. We fear what man going to think about us more than we fear disobeying the word of God. And that is a scary place to be in. Amen? When I was in Egypt, I, um, there, was a, that, there was a guy, preacher. He was the head of the Methodist denomination in Egypt. I have never heard good preaching like his in my whole entire life. This guy his preaching is just so phenomenal. It's just you can feel the anointing of God on his teaching. And I remember that uh, one sermon he preached, and he titled that sermon, A Law of One Statue. A Law of One Statue. So he's talking about, uh, the idea here is um, that there's a, a, a list of commands, but really that list of commands come down to only one, a law of one statue. And he preached from the book of Genesis when Joseph's brothers came to him after he became the second man in command, and he recognized them, but they did not recognize him. And then when he revealed himself to them, they were so scared because they were afraid that Joseph would send them to prison, right? And Joseph, in an essence, told them this, said, I can't get you back now. I can send you to prison and repay you for all that you have done to me. But then he said, I won't do it. And then he said that phrase that this pastor preacher took, and he preached all his sermon on. And Joseph said, I will not get you back because I fear God. For I fear God. And he preached that pastor, how Joseph lived all, lived all his life. And the whole law by which he lived was summarized in one statue. I fear God. You guys are with me? And he starts talking about how Joseph, all through his life, he expressed, he showed that fear of the Lord throughout his life. When he was a slave in the house of Potiphar, he, he could have been complaining against God and say, God, why you brought me to this place? But he wasn't. He actually excelled in what he did so much that Potiphar himself said, hey, come and be in charge of everything. Why would Joseph act so uh, diligently and do a good job when he shouldn't even be a slave? You know why? Because he feared God. He could have had his way with Potiphar's wife. But he didn't do it. You know why? Because he feared God. You know that during the time of Joseph, there was no law. The law of Moses was given way after that. 
There was no command, direct command from God, like we, we see in the Ten Commandments, um, thou shalt not covet your, husband, your, your neighbor's wife, right? Joseph could have done it, and if people would have confronted, confronted him, he would have said, oh, that's a command, that's a sin? I didn't know. We don't have a law that tells me that this is a sin against God. You guys are with me. Joseph didn't have the law of God, but he lived his life with one principle, one statue. The law of God for Joseph was just summarized in one statue. What is it? I fear God. Whether it's in public or in hidden secret, I fear God. Whether I can be punished for it or get away with it, I fear God. Amen? Noah moved because he feared God and he endured the ridicule of man for 50 years because he feared God. Amen? And I tell you, when you fear God, there will be no fear of man in your heart. Amen? Amen. So we see here the perseverance of faith, but we only also see the reason of faith. Why should you act on God's word and his promises? Because you revere God and you revere his word. You don't care what people are going to think about you. You don't, think, you don't care what consequences you're going to face. You fear God. Amen? Number two, we see that by faith he condemned the world. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. And by faith he condemned the world. Now, Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The idea here is, it's my understanding, no scripture for it, that during that time that Noah was building the ark, he was telling people about the judgment of come. I have no question in my mind that he was imploring people to actually run and be, and be safe inside the ark. And throughout these 50 years, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But look how the author of Hebrews talks here. He didn't say, and by his message, it will make more sense, right? He warned them. They didn't obey. Therefore, by his message, he condemned the world of his time, right? By his sermon, by his preaching, he condemned them because they heard it and they refused it. But this is not what the author of Hebrews is saying here. How did Noah condemn the world? By his faith. What does that mean? When Noah trusted God and acted on the very word of God, that's his faith, right? Action based on trust in the actual promises of God. Noah was an example. He showed the world how they can be saved by just trusting in the word of God. He lived the example of faith in front of them. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. But the end of the day, when everybody, when everything is said and done, the people of the time of Noah will remember how Noah lived his life by faith and how he got saved by trusting the word of God and the example by which he lived will be the reason of their condemnation. Amen? He condemned the world by his faith. We see, actually, Jesus told us a couple of examples of people who also will condemn the world kind of by their faith, by their action on trusting the word of God. In Matthew 12, 41 to 42, we read these two examples. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. The people of Nineveh will condemn the people in Jesus' time. Why? Because they repented, the people of Nineveh, at the preachers, preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The example of the people of Nineveh, when they trusted the word delivered to them 
by God through Jonah, and they, their obedience to that word will be the reason of condemnation to the people in the time of Jesus. Another example, the queen of Sheba. The queen of the south shall rise up in the day of judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Why? For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, greater than Solomon is here. The example of the queen of south, the queen of Sheba. When she heard and she acted on what she heard will be the reason of the condemnation of the generation of the people uh, during the time of Jesus. Because these people heard God's word and acted on it. But those, the people of the time of Jesus heard God's word and did not act on it. Amen? Yeah. And that tells you something. The world right now might be mocking Christians for all what we do and how we live our lives. And they think the Bible is such an old book. But guess what? The day will come. I hope it never happens to them. But the day will come when your example of godly living will be the reason of condemning this world. Amen? Amen? So let's stick to God and stick to his word and act on it. By this way, your example will condemn the world. But number three, by faith. Noah became what? The heir of righteousness, which is according to faith or by faith. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis and read the story of Noah, you're going to find that Noah lived in a time where everyone, everyone in his time was evil. Actually, that's the reason why the flood came, right? Because everybody was evil. Noah, on the other hand, was not an evil man. He was a righteous man. He feared God. He obeyed God. He did all the good deeds. He did all the good works. He was, actually the scripture tells us here, Genesis 6, 10. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Amen? This is like a triple description of how good of a man Noah was. Right? That's why the author of Hebrews here in Hebrews 11.7 says this. And Noah became at the heir of righteousness according to his good deeds. According to his what? He inherited righteousness. He became righteous before God because of what good deed Noah did? None. The reason why Noah became righteous before God is because of his faith. That sounds like a New Testament, doesn't it? That doesn't sound like an Old Testament message to you, does it? Noah did not become righteous because of any of the good deeds that he did. It's only because of his faith and trust in God. That's what counted him righteous before God. And that's the theme that the author of Hebrews keep on telling us. We've seen that the same principle was applied to Abel three weeks ago or so. It says this, Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. And by faith... He was commanded as righteous. It's because of his faith, Abel's faith, that God looked at him and considered him righteous. Same thing here. Noah, he became the heir of righteousness, not by any of his works, but by his faith. faith. And isn't that ring true for our New Testament theology? Amen? That none of us can become righteous before God through our good deeds. We only can be righteous before God because of our Faith, our trust in God. Amen? And I tell you, this right here is the most misconception, the most um, messed up theology about Christianity that the world doesn't understand. Again, if you go ask somebody in this world, how can you be saved? Is it by faith alone or is it by faith and works? The vast majority of the non-church people outside will tell you, you must be saved by faith and by 
works. They think, you know what? I trust Jesus as the Son of God. He died on the cross. I believe all this stuff to be true. Now we're done with the faith. Now let me try to do good works to please God. And hopefully, at the day of judgment, the combination of my the factual, uh, the factual truth that I believe, plus my attempts, would be good enough to please God. But the scripture tells us that none of that is good enough to make you right before God. Amen? Salvation, justification, righteousness is by faith alone. But that faith is not a mere intellectual knowledge. We talked about this in Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? It's not a mere intellectual knowledge. It is true repentance. It's when you make a commitment to start living for Christ and Him alone and come to the end of yourself that there is nothing good in you to be made right with God and trust in the sufficiency of the righteousness of Christ. That is the kind of faith that will save you. You guys are with me? And as the result of that faith, now God will count you righteous and his Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you and you'll start live the life of righteousness so nobody is dismissing the importance of good works but the scripture telling us that good works are the results of being declared righteous before God not the, requ the requirement to be declared righteous before God amen Romans 3 21 to 24 but now look at this Fantastic, unbelievable passage. My one of my absolute favorite in the whole Bible. Romans 3 21 to 24. By now, but now the righteousness of God, how? Apart from the law, apart from works, is revealed. You can't be righteous before God without doing good works. That's what it says here. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. As a matter of fact, it's also being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What Paul is telling us here is this. The whole point of the Old Testament, the whole point of the law is not to tell us that through the law you can be made righteous with God, but rather to point us out to faith by which you can be made righteous with God. Amen? Being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the craziest, deepest, most mind-blowing statement in the Bible for me. Right there. The righteousness of God can be yours today if you trust in Jesus Christ. This is mind-blowing God's very righteousness can be credited to you today, can be used today. You can go out today claim to be as righteous as God himself if you choose to put your faith in Jesus. But again, this is not just mind faith. This is a commitment, a repentance to start living for him. Quit trying to rely on your works and just trust in his sufficiency. Amen? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. No matter how bad you are, how sinful you are, that very righteousness of God is available to all sinners if you just believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short before the glory of God. And when all have sinned, God decided to be good to all. Amen? Being justified by how much? Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is phenomenal. Amen?
You don't have to try to please God with your own works. You just trust in him that he is sufficient, that the righteousness of Christ is sufficient, that you, you repent of your sins, and when you do that, then the living Christ, the risen Christ, will come into your heart and good works will start flowing out of your life. Amen? Amen. All right, one person is still awake. That's good. All right, so by faith, three things that Noah did by faith. Let's say it together and then we'll pray. Number one, by faith he prepared the ark. By faith, he condemned the world. By faith, he inherited the very righteousness of God. Can we pray?